Hello folks and welcome to the Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. My name is Graham Stevens and I really hope that I can bring a smile to your face. Why do only fools and old work Hello there, and welcome back. A couple of months ago I brought you some Hinge and Bracket, so I thought it might be nice this week to spend an evening in their company. <laughs> After years of that sort of thing, suddenly we had a home of our own and oh, it was wonderful. Now you know, sometimes here, looking back, I think we work even harder now than we did then, you know. Yes, but, you see, we do have the advantage of being able to sleep in our own beds at night. Well, that's a change, certainly. <laughs> My point was, you see, no sooner had we settled down in Stefton Trestle... 56. That's when it was, We were inundated with, the, with requests from all sorts of local organisations seeking our professional help and advice, you know. Well, the most pressing was from the Stefton and District Operatic, you see. Well, they had joined forces with the Choral Society and the play group, the Overfives, and they'd formed one big company of 35, but nevertheless, they couldn't seem to get it together with their production of the gondoliers, mm. which is very sad. Pretty backcloth. Wasn't it nice, dear? There's no good when you've nothing to put in front of it, is it? <laughs> so in the event, you say, they asked us to help out with the production, which we were happy to do, of course, and finally, at the performance itself, we wound up playing the roles of Janetta and Tessa, the two sisters in search of a husband. Each. <laughs> oh, you Oh, well, splendid, dear. Yes, well, I think I'll just have another little drop of my orange juice. Oh, you don't mind me imbibing, do you? It's, it's purely, you know, for the distance. <laughs> well, now, ladies and gentlemen, the gondoliers, you see, Picture the scene if you can. Now, the year is 1785. The city is Venice. And it's a beautiful, hot summer's day. The canal is at its best. <laughs> and all the gondoliers are all pulling away merrily upstream with the current. And just here and there, dotted about on the surface of the canal, all those pretty little... Punts and canoes. <laughs> Some of you know Venice, I <laughs> We have chosen for you, from the finale of Act One, that very pretty quartet arranged for two voices by the Doctor. Oh, tis a glorious thing, I ween, to be a regular royal queen. <laughs> golden throne, with a crown instead of a hat on a head and diamonds all purple, with a beautiful robe of gold and green, I have always understood. Lovely note, isn't it? <laughs> Perfect picture, see, let's see. Well, of course, you know the acoustics here are pretty good. Really. Oh, I know they are. <laughs> you see, I've got one coming up in a minute. <laughs> God moves in a mysterious way. 
I wonder. Yes. <laughs> I rather think she should. Oh, of Ruddy Gore. Oh, it was lovely. I think my favourite moment, you know, really, was that duet that you sang in Act Two with Gilbert. You remember? Oh, blameless dancers. Yeah. Oh, pretty thing, that is. La 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 la. Oh yes. Of course, you know the story behind this is rather a sad one. But of course, what you have to remember is that it's just a story. But. When you're playing the roles, you know, you become so involved with them. Which is nice, of course, this way. But Mad Margaret, the girl in question, she was 17 when she became engaged to Sir Despard Murgatroyd. Well, unfortunately, you see, he was afflicted with a curse beyond his control. And it had been passed on to him by another member of the family from earlier years. And unfortunately, he felt that he couldn't go through with the marriage, but he hadn't got the guts, as we say, to tell her. And she was left stunned on the altar steps. And she went quite mad. I suppose one would under the circumstances, but... You see, but she never stopped loving him. And in Act Two, they got married. And I like to think they did it during the interval, you know. And of course, it's amazing what you can do in 15 minutes <laughs> when you put your mind to it. But however, she is now married to Despard and they're telling the public about their former wicked 
obliged. I tell you what, dear. Yes. As it's an occasion tonight, mm-hmm. shall we? Shall we do it? And then you sing the role of Margaret. I'll let you do that because it's not a public performance. Oh. And I'll, I'll sing this part, and then you'll see for yourselves what it's all about. I once was a very abandoned person Making the most of even chances Nobody could conceive a person Even in all of the old romances I blush for my wild extravagances But be so kind to bear in mind We were the victims of that we received a, a little postcard from Maud. Well, unbeknown to us, she'd married, hadn't yes, she? That's right, dear, yes. Unlike ourselves, <laughs> we never had time. We were too busy. We were too busy. Like Elsie and Doris Waters. And the <laughs> thing is, 
that uh, she had married and settled in the lovely town of Stacton Trestle, and oh, it was wonderful, you know. And she said, why don't you come down for a couple of days, tack it on to the end, mm-hmm. you see, which is exactly what we did. Yeah. <laughs> well, the whole thing really went together. Right, you know. yes. But uh, she was there too. And... Um, well, you know, it's what the whole place was wonderful. Wasn't oh, it? a lovely town, you know, Stanton. Oh, we were just driving into the town, I remember, on our first day there, when we passed this lovely old house with a for sale notice up outside, didn't we? Didn't oh, and we fell in love with it at first sight. Yes, we did. Got it for a song, too, you know. <laughs> we're not going to sing that one tonight, are we? <laughs> <laughs> we still live there, you know. We wouldn't dream of moving again. Quite settled, we are. Oh, yes. and Maud, she was only too delighted to come back and work for us yes. again. But this time, as our home help. First real home we'd had, you know, in more than ten years. Oh, all of that. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Well, of course, we'd lived out of a suitcase till then. Yes. Oh, and the dicks. Oh, you know, some of the dicks we stayed in the... I mean, the story really went <laughs> Some of them were quite nice, really, weren't they? Some of them were not so nice, dear. Do you remember that woman in red car, dear? You know, Yorkshire, dear. Where the terriers come from. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Malaboloy. Yes, that's right. She was Czech. Uh-huh. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes, I remember. She was a big woman, you know. Yes. And very dark hair. And she uh, greeted us on the day we arrived on the doorstep, you know. And she looked at us then. She said, Oh, if I had known you for coming, he's confused in the dressing room. Is it? Like, if I had known you for coming, I would have opened a tin of salmon. Yes. <laughs> and there were eight of us. <laughs> I should hate to be in the one sitting behind the upturned lid. I'm quite <laughs> starved to death. Mm. Oh, yes. If I remember rightly, dear, wasn't she the woman who charged? Three shillings a week for the use of the cruet. <laughs> That's right, yes. So. And on the day we left, you took it in the hood of your duffel coat. Oh. <laughs> she did, you know. She said to me, well, Hilda, we've paid for it. It is ours. Yes. <laughs> I've still got it, you know. Three shillings, too, you oh. know. Silver plate with six cut house bottles and all the stoppers. Mm. <laughs> Looks very nice in your study with that coloured sand in it. Doesn't it, dear? It's pretty. <laughs> it catches the light. It's most prismatic, mm. yes. <laughs> what about you, though, dear? In revenge for that tin of salmon, which we never saw, you went out on the last day, if you remember, and bought a pair of kippers, didn't you? Oh, that was right. Yes. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> well, of course, I was quite a wag in those days, you know. <laughs> well, I thought, thought I was. was you see. And, of course, these were the days when Mac Fisheries had open fronts. <laughs> and, I saw this pair of kippers on the slab in the, the front there, you see, begging to be bought. Buy me, buy me, buy me. The little fishy voices, you know. No, this part about the slab is true. But we, um, I bought these kippers and I took them home to the digs and I nailed them to the back of the wardrobe. <laughs> wasn't terribly clean, you see. Yes, she wasn't. And it was a very hot summer, too. Mm. Do you know, it wasn't it in red car, if I remember now? That was when you started uh, putting your pen to your manuscript. 
was his funeral. Oh, you mean these, these things, eh? Yes. I started work on it. It wasn't all those years Oh, yes, years ago, and it's, I don't think it's really Helen Airing, has it? Well, it only been out once or twice, dear. <laughs> Well, perhaps it's time we brought it out again and blew the dust off it. <laughs> I think the music's over there. Do you want to try? Well, have you engaged? Yes. Have you got your parts, boys? Oh. Yes, I think they've come completely. Oh, good. <laughs> well, now, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this piece which we're about to perform for you, which is getting its, sort of, perhaps its second airing, is the lovely piece by Dr. Hinge, entitled List Devant. Now, this is in three movements. And in... <laughs> the first movement, which is lento, freely, and it explains itself very beautifully. The second movement, andante, this is espressivo. The third movement, you will see for yourself, is allegro. Anything we're right in there? Just about covers it. Good. Yes. <laughs> so this is the Liste van by Dr. Hinge, from which she learnt to speak her French originally. doing in there. Oh, there should be a pair of them, dear, if I... Uh, if it were. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, no. Let me see. Cast your mind back. <laughs> they yes, came with the case. Oh, they were the case, too. Really? Cyprus. Oh, they're not, dear. Yes, they are. <laughs> Cyprus. Imagine that. Cyprus. Entertaining the troops, you know, in 1954. What a time we had. Oh, it? it was wonderful, oh, you know. Those boys were so sweet, too. Twelve months solid of one-night stands. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and the adventures we had in Cyprus, you know. Do you remember, dear, that occasion when your mad Margaret dress got lost at sea? Oh, yes. Do you? Yes, yes, and that kindly Sergeant Major ran you up a new one on the treadle straight away. No questions asked. <laughs> Out of parachute, Silky yes, Boss. Yes, You were the nicest ones I had. Wasn't it pretty? They were all nice boys, though. Oh, they were charming boys, because, you see, they'd been starved. You know, they had nothing. And when we got there, they all came running, you they know. Did. Because they loved the music. And it was so wonderful. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you remember Corporal Binns? 
I don't recall a bins, dear. No, I must say I don't. Dusty bins. Little fellow with a toothbrush moustache. Quick walk. Oh, wait a moment, dear. Wait a... He did something artistic, didn't he? Yes, he used to embroider table runners. Yes. <laughs> it's true. Useless with a gun, but brilliant with a needle. Yes. Oh, <laughs> and a wonderful action. In, out, in, out, in, out. Fascinating. Turned out some lovely pieces, you know. Oh, he did, yes. You know, we used to, we'd arrive, you see, at all these out-of-the-way spots in Cyprus. And all the boys would be there waiting for us, you know. All lined up, banging away, knocking up the stage for us. <laughs> Talk about do-it-yourself. <laughs> Many's the night we had to perform on a very shoddy erection, didn't we? They used to give in the middle. That was the trouble. Frequently. <laughs> Which brings me to Nicosia. Do you remember the night I had to do my little routine on the stage? Oh, it was just a plank on two empty ties of crates. Oh, I remember it well, dear. It was a shame, you see, really, because the trouble was in Cyprus. They didn't really have the equipment to handle us, you remember? Oh, I think they did, just that they weren't sure how to use it. That's all it experience. Yes. You see, in, in the large camps, there was no problem. We were automatically in the nappy canteen performing. Which That's was nice. Ooh, that lovely. was nice to get a cup of tea. Right. right. But in the smaller camps, it was a different story. You could be in a field or in a barn or up a tree. Or oh, I do. I think that's a little funny. I know what I'm yes. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Trouble was, you see, you never knew how you were going to be placed until you got there. Well, the positioning was half the fun, really. <coughs> that little air of mystery, that was the cherry on the cake. <laughs> but there was always one exception. And that was when we were entertaining the top brass. It was always in the officer's mess. That was your nickname, wasn't it, then? <laughs> Yes, it's just come back to me, dear. Now, what was it now? They used to call you Jessie Matthews. I bet you've forgotten that. Oh, yes. And they used to call you Two-Ton Tessie O'Hinge. Oh, <laughs> yes. She was bigger then. Why oh, was that to hear you? But she know. lost it up all those trees. <laughs> I've forgotten, dear. What was the reason that they compared you to Jessie now? Why was there? Friday nights, dear. Friday nights. Yes, yes. Well, you remember, after I'd done my impression of Anne Shelton. Oh, yes. I... <laughs> Always finish my spot with one of Jessie's numbers. So you did, dear. Yes. I bet you've forgotten it. I bet you I haven't. <laughs> I'm in sort of a, sort of a kind of a happy rush to meet a day. And my feet accelerate to beat my heart. I wouldn't get me, I wouldn't get me even half a minute Can't even walk. I've got to fly. 
which is lovely. And, <laughs> it has really given us such pleasure to see you all and we hope that our little pieces of music and stories have brought back a few memories to those of you who still have them. And, <laughs> sadly, we have to say goodnight, but it's not quite over yet because you all still all have something to do. <laughs> what we're going to ask you to do is join in with us in a last chorus. Will you do that? Yeah. Oh, nice. All sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one baritone, I think. <laughs> Very smart frock, dear. <laughs> what we want to do is just recreate in brief the last night of the problems. <laughs> now, although, although this is not the Albert Hall, <laughs> which is a very pretty part of Kensington. You see, we do not have that very ornate organ you would be looking at. But we have got a small grand. And I'm sure that with your help and the doctor's capabilities on the keys, 
we shall all pull through very nicely, won't we? <laughs> now, well, the, the piece we've chosen is that lovely moment, you know, which is so patriotic. It is that moment in the last night when everybody there is so full of vim and vigour, you know, and they're so excited, and they've all got their funny little hats on, and their squeakers, and their banners, you know. And when you think, earlier in the day, they were probably tearing up railway carriages, but then... <laughs> There they all are under this lovely big dome all together and all rushing around with streamers shouting, Up Colin Davis! Up Colin Davis! Up Colin Davis! You know. Oh. Sweet boy, Colin. Takes it all in his stride, you know. It's that moment where Elgar has just been variated and we're going to... We would normally be saying, ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome onto the platform Miss Norma Proctor? But unfortunately, Miss Proctor can't be with us this evening because she's taken up a new position. Which, although it's thrilled her husband, she doesn't work quite so frequently. to do this on our own together with your help and now we bring you in we'll sing it through once and then you all come in like that as loud as you can and raise the roof and I'm sure that we'll all be heard in Maida Vale all right, <laughs> all right.
some of you may know, this evening is rather a special occasion because it is tonight that Dame Hilda and I look back to that wonderful, wonderful afternoon in 1946. Five, when we... Five, 45. 45? <laughs> <laughs> Whenever it was. When we first met... Well, I had just joined the chorus of a touring opera company, and as a matter of fact, it was our first week out on tour in Snitterton, oh, a lovely town, and such a bijou theatre too. It was a, a converted monastery, you know, and it had such a lot of atmosphere. And it was a Wednesday afternoon, I remember that very clearly, and it was the dress rehearsal for the understudies. And I was sitting in the stalls there with my score for Carmen on my lap and a box of chocolates. No, 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 It was Aida, dear, not Carmen. Oh, no, 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 it was Carmen. No, it was I remember it quite distinctly. It was Aida, I can assure you that. It's amazing how one forgets in so short a space, isn't it? <laughs> it was Aida. Yeah. Well, whichever it was, it's easy to mix them up, you know. How do you work that out, dear? Well, they're both continental. It's very easy. <laughs> However, I was sitting there, as I say, with my accoutrements on my lap, you see, when all of a sudden this tall, angular girl appeared at the end of my row with a hockey stick and a score, and we all had to stand up to let her in. And well, as luck would have it, you came... see, there was an empty seat right next to where Dame Hilda was sitting, and I spotted this seat, you see, and I pushed my way along the row and sat down right beside her. <laughs> Didn't I, dear? Yes. <laughs> Do. <Yeah>. And as... <laughs> As she came past, you see, she knocked my box of chocolates straight onto the floor. Quite well, you can imagine, of yes, quite dear. But you can imagine how I felt coming no, you know, with dear, my chocolates all around my feet, you see. No, perhaps not. You're probably quite dead. But with my chocolates, Mr. Pringle would have been almost under the seat in front. Yes, I'm sure he would be. With the chocolates on the floor, I might have been. But you see, I was trying to. But I wasn't fine, was I? No, dear. As I bent down to retrieve the aforementioned box of chocolates, a rather heavy plimsolled foot came down and crushed two of my fingers <laughs> and completely destroyed my noisy creams. Oh, it was very sad. And I said, I'm awfully sorry about the chocolates. My name is Hinge. Evadne Mona Montpellier Hinge. And I said, oh, really? I said, just like that. Ooh. I said, well, Hilda Nemony Brackett, short and sweet. <laughs> but in point of fact, you know, my two fingers still throb to this day. <laughs> oh, yes. And the damp weather brings them right up, you know. It's best. We all know. We all know. That's how it yes. all began, you see, all those years ago. <laughs> you never did offer to pay for those chocolates, did you, dear? <laughs> Don't be petty, dear. It doesn't become you. <laughs> However, dear, you were lovely in the girl in the taxi. Thank you, dear. Now, if I remember rightly, though, didn't you wear a pastiche when you played Sari Linden in Bittersweet? It was just a little cluster, dear, about the size of a florin or two grapes. <laughs> Crepe curls, dear. Woolworths, I remember it quite well. But I, I wore my own hair in two bunches, and it was corn-coloured then. And do you know, every night I used to get home from the theatre and let it down and give myself a hundred strokes of the brush. Oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> Fifty aside, so vital. Oh. 
marvellous, you know, spun gold it was in those days. <laughs> Little bit tarnished now. <laughs> All right and properly lit. But bittersweet. Oh, what a show, wasn't it? Oh, wasn't it pretty? A magical name? musical. Do you remember that lovely song in Act One? The very pretty, pretty song. Oh, I'll see you again, dear. <laughs> Not if I see you first, dear. <laughs> What a wonderful season that was, wasn't it? But what about the novello season in 49? Oh, the novello season was wonderful, dear. Unfortunately, it was 1950. <laughs> 49, <laughs> yes, dear. It's quite clear in my mind, dear. Yes, it's quite It's 1950. If you don't believe me, dear, get the scrapbook out of the suitcase and you'll see I'm right. Oh. It's all there in print, you know. Photographs, dates, everything. You have a look and you'll see. That would be nice, wouldn't it? A little sort of glimpse into the pictorial pots. Right? Go oh, on, dear. Yeah. Get it out. I haven't seen it for days. You <laughs> Can you find it all right, do you think? <laughs> now we shall see, dear, won't we? It's yeah. all here, you know, and what can't speak can't lie. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't wear that today. <laughs> Pretty as it was, but green's out. G&S season, 1946. Yes? Cleethorpes. Lovely theatre, do you remember? I do, do Pity it had to come down, wasn't it? Following weekend. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's see. Newport, Mon. Yeah. Another theatre. That went as well, didn't it? That's what you said. Oh, here we are, dear. Got it? Yes. Novello season. Pavilion Theatre Eastbourne, yes. 1951. <laughs> Fancy that, dear. Those are a bit out, weren't we? Well, it's a very old book. Quite, dear. The print's probably faded. Well, I wasn't going to give details, dear. I was merely going to explain about Maud, that's all. Oh, Maud. Yes. Oh, yes. Of course, Maud, you see, who has been with us all our career, she was one of the major benefits that the touring company brought us. Because she was our dresser, you know. That's right. And when we left the company, you see, Maud left about the same time, and she stayed on as our housekeeper. A very loyal person, Lord, you know. So many, many little ways. Oh, yes. Worked like a Trojan. She looks like one, dear. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want us to leave, you know, dear. Not really. No, I know, but we... Well, we had to, didn't we? Oh, I know that too, dear. The very idea of asking you to sing 18 Mabels in six days was too much for anyone, though. Oh, it was more than flesh and blood could stand mm. left, you know. Two, five and eight... And three flights of stone stairs in between. Mm. And a cap it all in a dressing room like a postage stamp. Mm. I've never forgotten. Mm. I will never know to this day, dear, how you coped. But you did. You were a real old pro. Thank <laughs> A trooper, dear. A trooper. <laughs> that too, dear, yes. <laughs> but of course, you know, I, I sang it very little after that until I was abroad. <laughs> overseas. <laughs> yeah. 
18 Mabels in six days, you know. I think that must be a record. <laughs> you certainly couldn't do that today, could you, dear? I wasn't thinking of doing it just today, well. dear. Oh! Oh, well, perhaps. Maybe just once, dear. Look. You think that's why? Well, look what I've just found in the case. Look. Yes, oh. <laughs> Your eyesight's as good as mine, isn't it? <laughs> it's my little Mabel bonnet. <laughs> Hasn't it worn well, dear? <laughs> well, yes, it has, really. But, of course, that's the best of Bangkok straw, you know. It always keeps its shape. But I, I think a little steam from Maud's kettle, you know, might just put new life into it. <laughs> You're not really going to attempt it again, dear, are you? Yes, I really am. Oh! I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> I think we all will. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, ladies and gentlemen, is the lovely soprano aria from the Pirates of Penzance, F1, sung by Mabel. Played for you this evening by Dame Hilda. Well, <laughs> modesty forbids me to say anything at all at this juncture. <laughs> So I'm afraid you'll have to use your imagination. <laughs> you see, in days gone by, sopranos of every type would look on this aria, a very taxing one, as something of a test of their powers, what you might call a pièce de résistance, <laughs> or cheval de bataille, if you prefer. <laughs> I do have the advantage of French, you see, <laughs> which I picked up many years ago from a wine list. Now, when the curtain rises on Act One, the stage is filled with pirates, all holding their own for about 20 minutes. And then... <laughs> Suddenly, you see, all the girls all come on at the same time and take care of all their... And... <laughs> Added to which, of course, I've always thought of Penzance as such a pretty part of Cornwall. You know. If there was some fashion in which you could... Somehow give the entrance, just that something extra, I don't know. Nip off and come on with a bed. Yes! <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> well, oh. well, now, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd excuse me just for a brief moment, I get a nip off for a jot, purely to come back on again. But, you know, I do feel most sincerely that for an aria of this magnitude, it is necessary to give as much thought to the entrance as to the main theme itself. Thus, by nipping off and coming on again, I feel we shall achieve that very necessary je ne sais quoi, au joie de vie. <laughs> because I speak French too, you see. <laughs> Gentlemen, friends, children, fellow thespians, we are going to start off our little trip down memory lane this evening with a lovely duet for two voices. And this comes from Act Two of Patience by Gilbert and Sullivan. And first of all, we meet Lady Jane, an elderly spinster. An elderly, ugly spinster. <laughs> I quote the libretto, of course. Of course. <laughs> Played by myself, <laughs> without the aid of makeup, but quite clever lighting. And <laughs> uh, she is joined 
by Reginald Bunthorpe. A fleshly poet. Correct. <laughs> uh, played for you with great verve and drive by my colleague here, taking her first man's part of this evening. <laughs> now, it would appear that Bunthorpe has got himself into a bit of a sticky position with a rival poet. And these things happen when things are allowed to get out of hand. So he says, uh, he says to Jane, Now look, Jane Elgill, we've got to get rid of this young fellow, my lad. How are we going to do it? And she says, Oh, it's quite simple. You just go to him and tell him all these little things which we are going to tell you now. <laughs> nice. In the song. So go to him and say to him, so go to him and say to him with compliment ironical Sing hey to you, good thing to you, and that's what you should say Your style is much too sanctified, your cut is too canonical Sing bar to you, ha ha to you, and that's what you should say I was the more ideal of the more mediocre to the Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. That's all for this week, folks. Until I speak to you again next week, this is Graham Stevens saying, keep smiling. We've got some half-price crack ties, some miles and miles of carpet tiles, TVs, deep freeze, and David Bowie LPs, pool games, gold chains, wuss names, and header push, and Trevor Francis track suits from a mush and shepherd's bush. Bush, 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 bush. No income 
tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or poor, we've cut prices and a program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.